Caution. All systems ready. Hello and welcome back to the Lesson 10 podcast. This is episode 60. and We are going to be talking to a couple of team captains uh, from the Captain's Cup tournament, which is coming up pretty shortly here. And talking about some of the rules and the format and how it's different from some of the other tournaments we've talked about and that kind of stuff. I'm Tenorest and I have two gentlemen with me. First, I'd like to introduce Akbad Papat. Uh, your hey. team is still called Noir, yes? Yeah, we still go by Noir. Network team. Yeah, All right. Tell a story about that, though. What? Yeah, tell us a story. Tell us a little bit about your tournament experience and you know how you're feeling about this one so far. Okay. So Noir's been doing tournaments. I mean, we've had we had a history of doing tournaments way back in the day, but our, we've really kind of gotten back into it off with the with the in games rebirth with um we had a we did have a different captain than ovex who went on to run um now forever tokens but so i was co-captain through ag rebirth and that at and then since then i've been captain the team myself now we've been doing all right we were um we did almost better than expected the first at last AT, one at where we actually won uh, a couple of at ships and then the last one we went uh, went to in the feeders that was that Pretty big disappointment, but yeah. Um, so there's actually been uh, some kind of funny confusion about our name before, um, because Noir, being a mercenary alliance, we have um, we often bring in a lot of mercenary pilots. And interestingly enough, on the last AT, we actually had a big panic of like three of our core guys who didn't actually get in on the uh, sign up as mercs apparently because they signed up for Noir instead of Network because you know everyone just. The name, I guess, is just so recognizable. Everyone's like, yeah, we're just noir. We completely forget we're actually in the lines. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I do that sometimes, too. My corporation only joined an alliance in order to register for the alliance tournament because we had just been operating as a small corporation before that. And I still just think of it as the corporation. Like, technically, there's a another corporation in the alliance as the executor corp and all that stuff. But, like, that's not yeah. something I pay any attention to. All right, and uh, the other captain I have with us today is Jace Roland. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the Frozen Pizza team. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that team? And Yeah, sure. Uh, Frozen Pizza is a, a team of Finnish uh, EA players. Uh, there are some of, some guys with some, well, actually, I've heard quite a bit of AT experience who decided that they want to do a Finnish team for this one. And, I ended up talking with them, and at some point they said that we need a captain, and I just raised my hand, and nobody else did, and took my place in the team. That's how it happened. Yeah, which was actually pretty good, because this is my second tournament. I was, uh, my first tournament was the, my first tournament was the last AT last autumn, and I was the first-time player, first-time captain with a team, of, with a bunch of first-timers, so uh that was quite a hurdle and this was actually a really good opportunity to learn uh tournament action uh with people who actually have been there before very cool and so just to kind of 
if uh, any of our listeners are not aware, the Captain's Cup is a tournament that's being thrown by a player named Jintan, um, obviously with a whole team of support and everything else uh, that will be streamed on Eventy's Twitch channel, which I'll throw a link to in the show notes. Um, and there's a there's a sort of first round slash feeder round this weekend, the 25th and 26th of February, and then the main tournament will be two weekends in March, the 18th and 19th, and the 25th and 26th. How are you both feeling about like you know are the are the rules for this one like does it seem like a good setup? Do you have like how does it compare to the alliance tournament that we just had? What are your thoughts? From a newcomer's point of view, this seems much more easier to get into. Uh, as the Alliance tournaments has the ten pilots with a hundred points worth of spending for for uh, for the comp, and now it's much different in that that there are six pilots with uh, six different ship sizes: uh, frigate, destroyer, cruiser, battlecruiser, battleship, and then the logistics. And uh, you have to choose one from each it makes it much more easier for a newcomer to comprehend the different options that are available and what you can do with them. But otherwise, I think it's quite similar with the arena being the same and the warpings being the same. So uh, it's a good, I think it's a really good uh, stepping place to, to get into the tournaments, tournament EVE tournaments and, and uh, stepping points for Alliance tournaments. Cool. And I know that was one of the sort of stated intentions um, in throwing this was to have a sort of a more accessible and a little less, um, not less competitive necessarily, but like when you're building a team of 10 ships out of points values for all these, you know, almost every combat ship in EVE is on the list. That's a lot more to process than the setup where you have, you know, you have a battleship slot and it's not every battleship in the game. It's a specific subset of T1 battleships. And I think that was definitely one of the goals. So it's good to hear that it's feeling a little easier to get into. Yeah, the fair company has definitely been a lot um, simpler, I guess. Um, one of the other nice things I found about it is because of the way the rules are set up and because you're kind of pigeonholed into certain archetypes of ships, you really... You rarely land on the field in a scrim and find, okay, there's just nothing I can do here. Just we've just been hard counted and we just like there's no point in fighting it up. There um which you know, sometimes you get in MMT where it's like you bring, I don't know, um some like you bring some like hardcore brawl and you run into kite and you're just sitting there like, Well, I've got nothing I can do here. They're just gonna apply circles around me for ten minutes and we lose. Um, which yeah. has been pretty nice. Um the um, the forcing everyone into T1 logic has actually been really interesting too, just because oftentimes you see a lot of um, logic frigates or T2 logic. T1 logic pretty is actually fairly uncommon as far as tournament this tournament scene goes, just because it tends to be pretty fragile, pretty slow, caps kind of hard. So it's been um, and you know we have there's six pilots, so that kind of mitigates it versus like eight or ten in other tournaments. But it's still um, been a bit real learning experience for some for. Uh, Main logic pilot too, because they're just yeah. used to you know get to fly like the accurate speed of the scimitar or whatever versus say a sight. Right. So specifically, there's no logic frigates allowed and no T2 logic cruisers. Just the four T1 logic cruisers. Um, 
and like you're saying, you know, that's it's less rep output, it's less tank, it's less cap. Um, it's kind of a handicap, but that sort of is matched a little bit by the fact that you know you only have six players on a team, so instead of one Logi ship and nine ships that can do DPS, you now have one Logi ship and five ships that can do DPS. So I think a two-two Logi might be a little overpowered. Quite probably, yeah. And then the fact that the Logi ships can't be banned, it it sort of creates uncertainty for which type of comps you want to bring, either armor or shield. Right. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting sub rule because you still have, like the Alliance tournament, you still have three bands, and with it limited to just the T1 logistics cruisers, it would be quite easy to just ban all armor logistics or all shield logistics, or the um, good ones from both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or the better, <laughs> the better ones from each. Uh, so, I thought that was an interesting subset, but I still think, given the six ship thing in the limited pool of ships having three bands is quite quite powerful um it is it's not quite as powerful as you think because you are limited to only two bands in a slot so you can't say ban three of the four the three good e warfrings for example and then leave your their um gotcha. who may have you know mostly practiced with those it's like oh well i guess i've got to bring a vengeance now or something in our low slot in our uh free slot so it's not so you can't entirely ban out something like that Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it it has seemed to work actually pretty well so far with the practices that that it doesn't. Well, as he said, you can't ban everything you are afraid of from from a certain point of view. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking of Ewar, um, the main change in the rules, you know, the Alliance tournament allowed scripted disruptors and damps and uh, jams only on bonus ships. And that's pretty much true of this, except you're no longer allowed to use uh, race-specific jams, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, do you think jams are still, you know, we saw some very impressive uh, comps with damps and jams, especially towards the end of the last Alliance tournament. Do you think they're going to be as viable with multispectral jams, or is that going to kind of handicap that? Well, I can tell you there are definitely teams that have been trying it. Um, They've worked, well, they've worked to, you know, greater or lesser extent. I really, don't really want to get into the details because I don't want to be telling, talking, you know, the... the yes, of but, course, you know, if don't don't give away all of your secrets or anything, but just, you know, whatever you feel yeah. comfortable. But, like, it, it, I can't say it has been a thing, people. Um, it has been a thing we and other teams have tried. And I think... So the actual going of the racial ECM, I think... Um, Worked pretty well with the only having the four uh, with the four logic cruisers because realistically, for any given comp, there's just going to be a logic cruiser. One say the auger is just better than the exec for this type of, and so you can't say bring bands to uh, you can't try and like uh, put a couple bands to try and predict force your opponent to bring an auger and then just being able to bring a bunch of gold jams for that, uh, which has actually been uh, kind of nice thing. Otherwise, it's um, I think it's still there. It's you know, ECM is always going to be fairly powerful, and because we're uh, with because most of the ships are, particularly the bigger ships, are with in um, T1 roles or P1 or faction ships. You don't really get the sensor strength bonus of being T2 ships, and oftentimes, you know, you just don't have 
because there's just not as many ships on the field, even if your jams are less effective, you probably are starting the um, the start of the match with as many more, more jams per enemy ship than you would in, say, the AP, where, you know, you still maybe only bring two jam ships, but you have to jam 10 ships instead of five, or instead of six. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's an interesting balance between, you know, especially, I, I hadn't thought about what you were saying about the logistics cruisers, but that makes a lot of sense with racial jams. It would probably be quite easy to you know, ban some of the better shield ships and then bring specific jams for the armor logi, for example. Yeah, and it also um, makes you choose if you want to have the uh, ACM or all the DPS from a certain slot. Yeah, because the DPS, even in smaller ships, seem to be quite big in this smaller 6 versus 6 uh, comp. Yeah. Because if yeah. you like with ACM2, like if you want to bring the Scorpion, that's a really big hit to your DPS because it means you're bringing, you know, some sort of your battleship just isn't your primary DPS anymore, or it's got, you know, maybe the DPS of most other battleships you might bring. Right. Or if you're bringing a Blackbird, you're passing on the DPS of a Exec Navy or a Vigilant, potentially, something like yep. that, or a Gila. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting mix of, you know, Navy and Pirate cruisers with you know e-war cruisers and then you have like navy battle cruisers and t1 battle cruisers like is there a place here where you see yourself picking a t1 battle cruiser over some of these navy navy options um i think i've seen that done in exactly one comp in all of our scrims for one scrim just because there, there aren't really many places where the E1 battle cruiser is doing something that a Navy battle cruiser can do, and Navy battle cruisers just tend to be doing whatever that T1 battle cruiser could do. But you have the extra slot or the bit of extra fitting or a couple of extra hard points. That just means it's not really a good reason to consider it. The attack battle cruisers. Yeah, they, they might have a place there because of the extra DPS, but. They are not glass cannons, though, so so they are quite fragile too. Yeah, like I, I could definitely see some teams bringing an Oracle, um, if they want to just go all in on DPS that way. But at very least in our screams, it has not been popular. Gotcha. Yeah, I could see the attack battle cruisers because of that, um, but it would be potentially difficult to make a case for, you know, because the points, you know, you're. In the AT, if you brought a Navy Brutix over a Brutix, it cost you more points, and so you had to reduce something somewhere else. But here, if it's just one-to-one, -one, like there's not a ton of reason to bring the T1 version you know, over the Navy version, generally speaking. Yeah. I thought they did a better job of balancing that in the other categories. Um, the battleship category, it's all T1, no Navy. And in the sort of frigate, destroyer, and cruiser categories, it's either Navy or Pirate or something specialized like uh, a assault frigate or a E-War cruiser, you know, or uh, yeah. Kikimura. Yeah, much more viable options there. Interestingly enough, in slot six, actually, the frigate slot, there are a lot of times where you would actually want to bring an E1, E1 uh, T1 frigate if um, just because of bans where you're actually not allowed to. Like, a uh, fairly popular ban has been carries because, you know, damps. Um, but where you might actually, 
want to bring a mollus that is actually disallowed. Right, because the mollus isn't one of the options, so there's no way around that that carries beyond in the same way as there otherwise would be. Yeah, it's specifically just P2 ships and P2 ships except for bombers and um, pirate frigates. You can't even bring a uh, native faction, actually. Yeah, I see that. Interesting. So no uh, Kitsune, no um, Griffin Navy issue for the mean jams. Yeah, and so in some of those cases, like, you know, if someone bans a hyena, you could maybe bring a crewer, which has a web range bonus, but it's not quite as good. But the, like the Kitsune and the carries, there's no room replacement for that. Yeah. Unless you want to, you know, do something really weird and bring, like, um, just bring a damp Kitsune. <laughs> damp Kitsune. That's, you know, you wouldn't be the first person. That's funny. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a like? Do you think these sort of more limited theory crafting is going to lead to a more fixed meta? In the AT, you know, we kind of saw like early on there was a lot of rush comps, and then more control comps, and at the end it was like really strong control comps were the thing. Do you think we're going to see a, an evolution like that with this tournament, or is it going to be pretty clear from the outset? No, I was just saying that probably you're the one to talk about this one because me being active in two tournaments, I don't really, I don't really know how to assess that one yet. Yeah, um, I was gonna say uh, day one and feeders I don't really have a good read on because it comes down to what all the different groups kind of come up with, and you know you can get a really isolated meta or a really different meta than what it actually is if you are in like a group of three or fourteen that all just kind of fall in you know, make some weird choices and you kind of think the meta is going one way, everyone else disagrees. Um, I think later in the tournament, though, you're going to see a lot of these, like, you're going to see a lot of comps that look really similar. Um, um, that Like, they'll all be trying to do kind of the same thing with different types of ships. Like, you might see, you know, a, um, but a lot of, like, these heavy armor comps that are just kind of, it fights pretty everything so the teams that are really confident in their execution will bring this and just kind of say i don't really i'm going to ban like a couple things that hit this really hard but i'm pretty confident in fighting whatever you bring because this comp just has play no matter what we see gotcha um is the armageddon going to be banned every match um not every match but i would not be surprised to see it uh be a brain or ban it early on I think later into the tournament, you're going to see a lot of teams that will start showing comps that will. We don't want to ban the Geddon because we don't. We our comp just beats the Geddon. Um, so if our opponent bans, they've wasted the ban, and if our opponent brings it, well, they're bringing a ship we know we can beat. Okay. Just as you know, I haven't been. I'm not on. Uh, I am. I am technically on a team, but I am not really very active in this tournament and so just from the the small amount of looking and theory crafting that i've done uh among the the battleship list you know the armageddon and the scorpion stand out as the only ships with bonuses to e-war um, of any kind and the armageddon is uh, a favorite ship of mine in tournaments in general, and it seems like it would be potentially quite, quite strong uh, in this format where you can, you know, put a heavy newt on every single ship on the field and just, like, you know, make their entire team play with that handicap. Yep. 
there is lots more space in the field too because of the fewer pilots in there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's more more room to maneuver when there's less <laughs> less people chasing you. <laughs> it seems so. Yeah, that is, that is definitely the case. Um, and I think it also like you'll see a lot of play because a lot of people really like the. Uh, I know they've been at least the last AT got a lot of hype just because of the plate buff and the kind of dumb things you can do by putting three plates on it. Um, but like you're really running a risk of like, well, okay, I can bring this absolute brick of a ship, but then I just risk seeing an abandoned just uh, again just sitting on my face with you know six heavy newts and suddenly I'm crying because I do laser DPS. Right. Yeah, and the the Geddon, you know, the, the armor control meta in the last AT got thrown for a bit of a loop um, when they massively buffed the Armageddon Navy issue the week before the tournament. Yep. Plus, uh, getting that exec Navy for your midline was also really big. Yes. Um, the exec Navy is now quite the DPS platform. I think uh, again the the other place I think a lot of people who don't fly tournaments don't really think that too is it's also just a really powerful anti kite ship. Just because you know you can turn off a prop mod at fifty kilometers, right? So like you know, do you think that kiting is a little potentially more viable with only six people, um, um, and particularly? With the limits, you know, you you know, you're only going to see one tackle frigate ever. Yeah. Period. Yep. From my new point of view, definitely, because there's more space to maneuver, and and it seems uh, a bit less hectic, so it's easier to assess the whole field uh, with my lesser experience, and and as such, it I feel it does give more room for for um, kiting than AT setting did. Potentially. You are missing a couple of the really key tools for kiting ships, though, because like a lot of kite clumps really like to bring the Bergas because it's a really fast cruiser, that really fast battleship that also just defends itself well when kiting. Because it's like a cruiser. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just long scrams are really nice when you got to get away from stuff. But um, I think you'll see a lot of, like, it it just like here even here even more so the kiting will just come down to one pilot I think making a mistake or making a really good play and just catching something, um just because you know you you may you have fewer people chasing you but you also have fewer defensive tools so I think you'll see a right. lot of these matches where you know someone brings kite and it just the match is decided by the one just one you know person make one person making a mistake or just one person you know making that key grab at the right time. Gotcha. Yeah, and there's less, um, you know, with the sort of reduced total DPS, you won't be able to snipe things out potentially as quickly, depending on what you're in range of. Yep. And also, a lot of those those kiting comps would either bring a Bargas, which is quite fast for a battleship, or no battleships at all. And in this setup, you have to bring a battleship. Yep. Um, and the Typhoon is you know, as battleships go, pretty maneuverable, but the rest of them are pretty, you know, pretty easy to catch. I mean, we may see something like those um, hiding clumps that try and bring the Scorpion Navy for some reason. Um, I think every time people do it, it's a mistake, but I think we may say, see something similar here where people try and bring, like, just a normal Raven um, with the crews and just, you know, try and hope to MJ use MGDs or hope it kind of gets ignored because it's got a thick tank. I think people will try it. I don't think it'll be a great decision. 
Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, so this weekend is a you know kind of feeder slash placement round, right? Yeah. Well, no. So uh, Saturday is the feeders. Yes. Sunday okay. is actually the main tournament, and it's basically that will be the top top sixteen. Gotcha. And is everyone going to play this weekend, or only yes. some of the teams? Okay. Uh, yes. So the way it works is, if you are in the, if you're not one of the first, um, I think it was it's twenty teams now or something. Uh, maybe it's thirty teams. I don't point for eight teams. I don't remember the exact numbers because they changed it. But um, if you're not in the like up first teams to sign up, you are in the feeders, which is basically single and to day two. Um, day two, you basically need to go two and one to make it on day two, um, and you're going to be playing in effectively pools to cut to some top sixteen. So everyone's going to play right. three matches, but you really have to go two and one, bring some like shenanigans with draws. Yeah, how Which it is. went in the beginning was they expected it to be much less popular than it is. Yeah, or turned out and to then, be. Yeah, that seems and, to be a recurring yeah. theme. And then you yeah. have like what thirty-eight teams sign up in the first second. Yeah, something like that. I was lucky enough to play some place thirteen on, yeah. on what Jintan had, and and I thought that was fast, but apparently I'm really really slow. <laughs> No, because what it comes down to at that point is just what because the the server messages at that point were actually so packed together they were showing up at different orders for different people. So it all just yeah. came down to when Jintan saw your when Jintan yeah. Discord yeah. got your message. And that's the only way to do it. Uh, I think he did a good job on that one though. Uh, how to refigure out that one and how to get it uh, a bit longer tournament. And I think they've done a good job on that part because uh, I I wouldn't have expected either. To, it to be as popular as, as it has been, and, and yeah. how they managed that one, I think it was a really, really well done given the cir circumstances. Yeah, I'm personally very grateful they extended the um, who gets it, who doesn't go to the feeders, because that took us from going through the feeders or not, because I was like, same here. <laughs> same here. Yeah. Nice. All right, so day one is a single elimination, and then uh, the the 26th and then the the further on into the tournament as well it's all kind of this group stage format where you know part of the part of the goal was for everyone to get to play more matches and so there's like you're saying you're kind of playing three matches before you decide if you're eliminated or not whereas the at you know it's very possible to go zero and two and just be out even if you weren't in the feeders Uh, yeah. yeah, and like the, yeah. the original goal, I think, was that you had to intent was that you would actually have to lose twice to be out. Um, plus, we'd have the whole round robin thing, but just extending the tournament meant that you know they they had to cut time somewhere. So, <laughs> yeah, that's always that's always sort of the the consideration with these is like, you know, we we want as many matches as possible, okay. but we can't have people playing for a week straight and ignoring their jobs and like because then you just don't have people sign up yeah well and also there's just the you know we want to we don't want some team to lose because it got hard carried and just they had luck in the picks but at the same time the more team the more matches you add the more bo3s or best of fives you do the fewer teams can play in the first place and i think as a you know sort of intentionally more introductory tournament i think it makes sense to try to you know get people into a bunch of matches because as you were saying earlier, Jace, like one of the big things about the Alliance tournament is 
there's just so much information overload. When you land on grid, like you're trying to make all these decisions and then you're trying to track your own 10 ships and the other team's 10 ships and what's working and what's not and making decisions in that environment is yeah, but not that it's a lot because the whole tournament scene the eve tournament scene is is i thought it actually pretty difficult to get into because yeah uh, what is provided is the rule set which is as all rules that tend to be uh, more or less poorly written I've read my share of rules for different games, and and uh, then to get into the scene, like I didn't realize that people practice have a have a regular screaming partner. I didn't know that one. I didn't know how to build a tournament arena somehow, somewhere, someone linked uh, the tournament making guide, and lots of things like that. And then how to make your first few millions in 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 the thunderdome was something we had to figure out from from nothing obviously yes i'm with yeah. the ship but that wasn't obvious in the beginning either yeah um, it's a hurdle of figuring out stuff like that is is actually pretty huge when you don't have someone to guide you who has done it before and also how to keep track on on on, on the comps uh the comp making tool was actually pretty helpful uh in the alliance tournament but still it became sort of messy after a while when we had enough of them figured out yeah spreadsheet management becomes like an 11th player on your team at a certain point <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and like it also really doesn't help that a lot of the teams are very um i guess they a lot of teams don't like sharing what they're doing for you know kind of kind of obvious reasons you might imagine because but at the same time, it really means if you want to return it, the only way to get into it as a player who's never done it before is either find a team, learn from them for a couple of years, or just get, t- get 10 guys together and just uh, smash your head against the wall until you kind of figure it out. Um, yeah, I still think there could be a bunch of information how, uh, like, good practices information on how, well, it would be easier to find out how to make the arena. It could be yeah. easy to find how yeah. how people tend to practice for this for this, and uh, what well, those two would be pretty big things actually, and then maybe some sort of a guideline on how to think about the comps because when starting from literary scratch, you start looking at uh, alliance tournaments, and and from a non uh, tournament perspective, it's very different actually in the tournament than what works in fleet fights. Yep. Yes, it is. Um, For example, E War is very little used in wormholes, so it was quite a big surprise when we got the first sensor dampener. So I said, "Holy fuck, yep. this actually like does something." Yep, if you jump through a wormhole and fight at short range, it uh, doesn't matter much. But nope. Or the um... The, the first time I learned that the civilian light missile launcher was a thing people used because they won, they had a spare hard, because it doesn't need a hard point, and they had like just a little bit of extra fitting for that 10 extra damage. It's like, yep. oh, I gotta just somehow source these now for my teams. Like, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know about this thing that never is done aside from these tournaments. Yep. And I also remember when I was uh, arranged my first screams with, I think it was the, um, uh, uh, I forgot, Virion's team. Mm. 
Oh, the Spectre Fleet team? Spectre Fleet, yeah, yeah. He was actually a really helpful guy in that one because I didn't even know what 3BO3 means. So, like, it's good. Yes. Total clueless, and then he starts like throwing this jargon at me, but he really just told me what I needed to know, and, and it, it went well. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's. I think Spectre Fleet generally is like, we're just doing any year, so I think they're pretty used to having to teach, you know, hey, here's what the actual scrim looks like in a tournament. Yeah, so yeah. Think, and I think like um, this sort of basic information on how to prepare for a scrim and how to what the jargon is and how, how people typically scrim is, is something that would be good to share beforehand, so People, yeah, like first timers in a first timer team wouldn't have to figure all that out by themselves. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's no certainly no CCP guide to any of this stuff. Um, even for the Alliance tournament, which CCP runs, they publish the the rules, which are like, here are the rules the tournament will be, here are the fitting rules for your ships and all that. But they don't really talk about scrims much, and there's a couple of things floating around like that arena creation guide and stuff that players have made over the years but um a lot of it's a little like you know if you happen on it or someone asks about it and it happens to be linked where you see it then you have it and if not then you know there's not like a central data location or anything not quite that sort of hard promise to do something of that sort uh, earlier today at the captain's set. The captain's cup captain's chat <laughs> sorry about let's see i i actually hope I, I i get it done if i don't someone could actually remind me and poke me around to do it yeah as i was gonna say it does it does definitely really nice one of those things would be nice to have that you know e any wiki page or even on the um i think just have it page. so you want to fly in your first tournament that would definitely be of course yeah. the other is like the you got to find someone to write it, of course, because you know you could probably ask the tournament organizers to do it. But like those guys have so much work already, and could you imagine? And like you just can't imagine some like tournament mainstay, like say Hydra or Yale or someone coming out with it and just like, hey, here's our guide for set. Here's how we run tournaments, you know? Yeah, and it's it's interesting how secretive some people are about it. Yeah. Well, the collusion rules are quite strict, and what I heard rumors about. Earlier collusion infringements. I I don't wonder why they are so strict about it because apparently it, it oh, has yeah. happened for for yeah. the tiniest uh, mistakes. Well, yeah, and you know Eve players like if you let them, they'll they'll <laughs> you know collude and conspire and you know. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand was... them, but then again, like. Well, like like uh, helping a noob out to, to get to their first scream would probably not be collusion as in telling them that hey uh, take no. the <laughs> there, there are some weird things too like I know CCP burned pretty bad in some older AT I don't remember which one but apparently collusion was just blatantly bad and like the winning teams got banned from the AT for a while if I remember correctly but um, then there's some weird ones where it's like hey um, we've had teams say it's like, well, we we want to look like we'd love it if you'd loan us a player so we could have our sixth and should do the scrim, but we're pretty sure that violates occlusion rules. So um, I guess we're just running five mans or the scrim is canceled. 
And it's like, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that's it's a bit more clarity on things like that would be really nice. Yeah, I think in general, CCP has been fairly good about, you know, kind of going with the, the intention. Like, if you're yeah. just like, we just want to make this happen for these two teams, you know, obviously you probably shouldn't share the, your entire spreadsheet and all your information with that player, but I would be surprised if you got banned for someone being like, okay, jump in this ship. We just need, you know, someone to make practice happen. And like, we, but we've it isn't that, specified. Yeah, we've done it with other teams, but like, I think the whole hubbub last year about the new community guidelines, I think, also may have made people because we had things like CCP is no longer giving up TPUs because they're worried about the community guidelines, and they'd be, I don't know. So I think there's just some people who are a little overly worried about CCP strictly enforcing things when they probably don't need to be. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard to say because it's like one of those things where like the, there's not like, you know, they can't really fine you in any meaningful way. There's either yeah. it's okay or you're out of the tournament. Yeah. You know, so like if you spent, not a lot of gray yeah. area. Yeah. If you spent like six weeks, that's just really rough too. But yeah. And the amount yeah. of time you can put into this is actually so big that you don't want to risk it. Yep. Yes, you can certainly put uh, many, many hours into practices and tournament prep. Yeah, plus the emotional part and how fun it can be and how much you actually yearn to fight the first matches and, and, and win a couple for the new guys and, and for more experienced guys to, to be there. In the finals, it's 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 a big thing. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of that, um, the... I do think the CCP actually being really active in the, you know, FAQ channels for the past tournaments has been really nice, too, for just kind of helping to alleviate some of that. But yeah, just speaking of the scrimming, too, like, honestly, I find with tournaments, most of my a lot of my motivation to compete in the tournament is just like, hey, I get to do scrims every week if I'm doing a tournament team. You know, it's like, you know, winning ships or winning plex or whatever would be nice, but I just enjoy it. So that comes out of it. Yeah, having the regular, like you know, kind of accessible PvP practice is a lot of fun. And definitely, you know, nothing gets you better at EVE faster than <laughs> flying the same comp three times in a row into the same other team and, like, really changing really small things to improve. Yeah. And, like, you don't really, like, in the moment, you may not notice how big of a difference it is, but, like, so last weekend we had a scrim where just various reasons two or three of uh like i think three of our mainstays were just out of town or like sick or had family or something so they just um so we were just running substitutes on that side of practice scrim and we really found that like we were running comps that we'd run a bunch of times before into other comps that we'd seen a lot uh, because you know they're a regular practice partner and we went from matchups where we were probably winning 70 percent of the time to we didn't win a single match that weekend just because you know three of our veteran pilots who were really experienced were um, oh, we'll replace them with like I want like if I am on TQ, I'd say they're you know just as good of a pilot or even better in some cases. But it's like it's just because they don't yeah. have that weekly experience. Yeah, and especially in a particular role, it starts to get really granular and really. I think I'm okay at Eve, but I would absolutely not substitute myself into certain roles in a tournament. 
Ant-Man, do you think it's like the experience of flying in a tournament, or is it the experience in flying uh, in that comp- that specific role? Um, I it's both, but I would say it's more of the latter than anything, because I would rather have some guy who has you know he maybe only fly he's flown like only he only, he's only ever flown this comp, but he's flown a hundred times than some dude who's flown all of our comps you know ten times in that same role. Because, you know, like, it does help, and there is a lot of transfer, but, like, it, there's a big difference between, like, being your team Gen pilot and being the Typhoon pilot, even if there's still battleship roles, even if you're still, like, kind of the haymaker for that team in a lot, for that company in a lot of ways. It's just, it's so different that a lot of it, you know, it's it's really, you're kind of learning. A lot of, a lot of the um, gain you get um, really doesn't transfer over that well after a certain point. Yeah, and I think that's a, you know it's less true between like you know if you're going from DPS cruiser A to DPS cruiser B, you know not as big yeah. of a deal. But if you're going from Logi to anything else, or you know E War cruiser to DPS cruiser, you know things like that, it makes a pretty big difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. What um, you know do you, do you guys have like specific goals? You're like I want to make it to round two or three, or is there a specific point you're you're looking at is like this is for this tournament this is what i'm aiming for i i think like the most important thing anything i do on my free time is i i need to have fun and i had some fun so far so that's good and and i want to have a couple of fun matches but definitely like winning too so it would be brilliant to get through the first weekend and and into the the next part of the tournament. Yeah. Nor we're kind of in a similar situation where really my goal is just to come out of this tournament with a winning record, which realistically just means making it to week two. Um, Nor kind of has this problem with tournaments. We've got right now, I think, three guys who have done every tournament since AG14, um, since Angry Games Rebirth, and everyone else is basically, it's pretty much new to flying tournaments this tournament. So it's like, I've just and this has kind of been a thing for almost every tournament we've competed in, where half our team is just you know never done this before. So it's been like I'm at any tournament I can we can get out just a winning record. I'm pretty happy. Gotcha. Yeah, that kind of turnover definitely makes it hard to you know you don't have the the built up experience and the built up theory crafting and all that, which is one of the things that you know you see in some of these really really high-end teams especially in the alliance tournament is the same teams have have won before and that but they've mostly they've just played so many matches and they've seen so many different comp iterations and things that like when it comes time to fit comps onto the rule sets and everything like they have all these ideas yeah and they just half the comps are already built yeah Plus, you get some guys who I've just been who've been you know flying tournament logic for like eight years, and that's you know there's right. like it's it's really hard to just train up a guy for this tournament and expect them to compete with that. Yes, and even if you're a you know used to flying logic on tranquility, it's a really different experience because in a tournament setting, the logic like your goal is not to lose people. <laughs> no one's going to rep you for one for sure. Yeah. You have to like really not get tackled and all that, but your your goal is to die so slowly that your team is winning by the time you do. Yeah. Like it's not even really t- to live most of the time. 
Yeah. And you've got like, you know, you may think you're like this great nano nanologic pilot, but you have never flown an Osprey against a, a team, against a group of guys who actually know how to kill you and you're buffer yeah. fit with, you know, and you're completely buffer fit. And like, if you're lucky, some of your teammates have loggy drones. Yeah. Yeah, it's and like, you have some screening, but only some, but also they have to go tackle things. And yeah. like, and your opponent actually has really good tackle pilots. It's like, you know, it's it's really hard. Yeah, Mythology it's, it's... was some, something that was a big surprise to me in the beginning because I didn't realize it. Just kind of could do something yeah. with them. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're brand new to tournaments, Logi drones are really important. You should absolutely be using them, even though they're only T1. They're Unless you're flying a drone comp, they are really important to have, and you should have a damn good reason to not use them. Yeah, and actually, a lot of what differentiates some of the you know kind of tiers of of choices between like T1 battleships, for example, is their drone base. It's definitely a thing yeah. to look at and think about, and um, you know, and on the other side of that, like we definitely won some matches this past AT because our um, one of our frigate and like heretic kind of class ship pilots is really good about looking for heavy rep bots and shooting them. So getting, you know, using them is important. Killing them is important. It'll be interesting to see how much they affect this um, this meta in this tournament with these sort of more limited pilots and limited logistics. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that makes good bad and kind of strong here is it just gets four heavy logic drones. And that's, you know, half a logic rig, I think, just on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The uh, Hyperion, despite its, its you know, being very short range and all that, has a nice drone bay. You know, obviously the Armageddon uh, yeah. is quite strong with drones, but it also, that's a, it's generally its speaking, damage, so right, like it's half or potentially all of its damage if it's newt fit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you know. That's what makes this kind of theory crafting really interesting to me because there's all these little pieces of it that you have to puzzle at and figure out. You know, am I going to take this trade off versus that, or like you know, given that I have these other ships, does it not matter? So, yep. It's good to hear that you are having fun so far, though. That's always, of course. I mean, you know, we all talk about these tournaments like we're world champions or whatever, but in fact, we're winning at a very niche MMO yes. in a very niche subcategory of that, and most of the world doesn't give a shit. But yeah. if you're having fun doing it, that's that's what I consider winning. Uh, same, same here. I think the fun part is the most important one. Like, if you don't have fun, it doesn't matter if you win the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. If it if it felt like work, I'd be like, nope, I I have a job already. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but it's a fun puzzle, and it's, you know, the feeling when you win a match, even if it's not like, you know, it's the first match, and you're not eliminated, and you're not going anywhere, and it doesn't matter, like, it just feels really good. Yeah, or like, I think, like, the probably one of the best even moments I've ever had was, uh, and this was actually fairly, um, one of the bigger matches of the tournament was, we were against Frat in, not the last AT, but the one before, and like you know, a minute to the, like forty seconds to the end of the match, they boundary one of their ships trying to escape our dead newts. And it's like you know, moments like that you just you're never gonna forget. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Yes, I'm actually told that match is the is one of the ones they give potential commentators to commentate to see how good they are. 
Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, because <laughs> they give them test. They give them old matches to test to like. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's like apparently it's a really good match for them to test on. So that's the one they used for the last AT. That's that's funny. That was quite a like it was really kind of neck and neck and getting out the points calculator to see who's going to be where when this ends and like which ships can die and not and then that that yeah. battleship hit the boundary and we we're like okay yeah. cool things are fine yeah because that's actually uh, something else that you may or may not people not who aren't in tournaments may or may not know is like you have the people on the grid but you also have like one guy whose whose whole job is is just singing palms watching the clock giving you that countdown because you know you're gonna get tunnel vision you might have one or two guys like doing overwatch watching someone's stream just saying like hey stop fucking up like or like you know hey this lodge is doing this thing go grab him um yeah and you know and so like you absolutely have someone sitting in the background saying here's what the points are here's what you have to kill to win this match here's what you know um here's what you can afford to lose here's what you can't afford to lose yeah that's really useful if you have a spare person to do that um and kind of keep an eye on it because everyone on on grid in the fight has more than enough things to do um, particularly like if whoever's calling targets um, and whoever's flying logic and all that like and that's it's before a you lot factor, and that's before you even factor in the fact that you're playing you've got the nerves from you know playing in front of on stream in a match that may or may not decide whether you win you know tens of hundreds of billions of isk yep and then there's also you know the the arena boundary at 125 kilometers from the center is this death wall that if you touch it, yep. your ship explodes. And the only way you can track it is you have the beacon on your overview, and you just watch that distance. It's not like the yeah. There's no like visual. Fancy, there's no fancy like abyssal boundary or anything. It's no. It's like you cross this invisible line, you stop existing. I found lots of help with the new uh, multiple overviews on that one. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah having a, a how far am I from the center overview window is going to yeah. be clutch. Or yeah. just having that sep that separate drone overview, so you don't have to have, like um, find the right um, you know swap between them or try and click on them in space. It's just okay. I have a window that's just logic drones. I can just you know so I can see exactly which ones I need to murder. Yeah, I think the multiple overview windows is a, one of the best updates in Navy in a long, long time. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I have minor gripes with Photon UI, but it has been, uh, just for the multiple overviews alone, it has been worth it. Yeah, I, I've liked it since day one, actually, but then again, um, just yeah. the windows again where I wanted to have them, I was quite happy with it, so. Yeah, yeah my, my only real complaint is the drones in space part of the drone window justifies down to the bottom instead yeah. of up into the underside of the drones in your hold which doesn't make any sense to me but really my my preference would be if the drones in space part could be detached and positioned in size as a separate window that would be perfect yeah or the big one for me is just the whenever you pull up a like click on a fit from when you like import from your clipboard or when you open it from a window the simulate fit button is now high hidden behind this extra button click. So literally every time I need to import a ship from a spreadsheet into game, I'm now just adding an extra click and it really adds up when you know you're building all your comp for your team for the day. Yeah. That's why you as the team captain ping like an hour before your scrims and say, hey, can someone jump on and build all these ships for us? Well I try to, but I'm usually the guy who's jumping on an hour because, <laughs> you know <laughs> just delegate. <laughs> Look, I try. I try to, man. Actually, but like, I've still got guys who think start of practice means 
you know, this is when I start logging on and not this is when we're on the field starting for a scrim. Yeah, well, so, I'm always being into guys to, like, we undock at, 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 let's say, 5 p.m. Yeah. That's it. You try, but, like... Yeah, but then, actually, like, the funny thing is that we've been on time almost every time. I, I yeah. don't know how, but I managed to kick them through to that one. And, the... and people have learned to, to take their ships fast enough. Though today was our first time on TD, so we had some extra issues there, and some people had a bit forgotten how it works and stuff like that. So, yep. but no, I get times where it's like I've, I've I've done the whole ping half an hour beforehand, make sure hey, this is when practice starts. The problem is then I get people who learn okay, he's just pinging half an hour early, so I can wait like twenty five minutes after that before I actually need to start logging in, and it gets it's this whole thing. Yeah, uh, really pinging on dock at 7 p.m. works pretty well. It depends on the team. We definitely, you know, have had people who are like, practices at 7 p.m., I'm going to log in at 6. And some people are like, practices at 7 p.m., I'm going to log in at 7.05. I mean, yeah. if it's on dock at 7 p.m., then they know how much time they need to set up before they are actually yeah. ready there. Oh, that's absolutely true. But like, if some guy decides I don't really care, and or I'm like running late anyways, like you can't start the scrim without them sometimes because sometimes you only have six, and it it also just feels really bad when you get the team where it's like you know they're there, they're ready, they're waiting. You're there, you're ready. You've got one guy. It's like we're just sitting on field waiting for one guy to get home. Oh, Apparently, I'd be really proud of my team on that part this time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we Nora's usually been pretty good about that, but you know, there's always that one scrim every year where just so every training, where just everything seems to go wrong, and you know, you get yeah, like three yeah, scrims out one, yeah. in three hours. Yeah, I was so ashamed last AT. We had a guy who uh, came in a bit in the last minute and asked him, "Have you been on TD before?" Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, the guy who wanted to go to sleep, I let him go and. Then he starts asking, do you actually need to make a new character here on TD? Oh my fucking god. And then we were 20 minutes late and the opposing team was just waiting for us for almost half an hour and that that felt felt so bad. It's like, I've been on both sides of that and it's like, look, I know they feel just as bad about it as I do or like, at least from my perspective, one way for the opposing team is like, yeah, no, I'm more. I'm mostly feeling like, okay, yeah, this must really suck to be you guys right now because you're just stuck waiting on this one guy. But you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. We definitely have had some of that and some like, oh, you meant in this time zone? Like, yep. <laughs> come on. Yeah, we we actually solved that one because we just have a bot that does pings that automatically converts it to the right time zone when you're looking at it. Who are looking at it? Because like Discord actually has that thing you can do with that now too. Um, so it's like yeah, yeah, it's in your time zone. It's not in GMT, which always throws off our UK players sometimes. Where some of them are like one hour over, and but yeah. But in the end, you know, you get to blow up some spaceships, have some fun doing it. Yeah, some of the best PvP you'll ever get in Eve. Yes, it is. Especially before tournaments, I always, always thought that it's good to play Eve, so you can do the big plans and build your sand castles and kick other ones, which you can't do any anywhere else. But if I want to get those flags and go and play Quake, but 
now with the tournament, so I get both from me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, think of it this way. It's, you get the, you know, you get all the benefits of being in, like, faction warfare and getting all these just really fast fights, really easy fights, while at the same time getting, all, getting like, the skill ceiling and feeling of flying in some, you know, really close nano game fight versus a blob. You know, it's kind of like combining the best of those two. And if you mess up, well, good news is you've got two more rounds of that same scrim where you can test all, where you can either do something, you can fix your mistake or you can try a different strategy. You did the first time, didn't work. And you don't have to, you know, go roaming for two weeks and hope you get a similar fight. Yep. Yeah, the the guaranteed fight is wonderful. And, you know, this the tournaments in general, like, give it a little more of the sense of, of teamwork and sort of meeting, like, I don't want to let my team down, you know, and I want to succeed with these other people kind of feeling that I think even, you know, you can get in a small gang, but you don't necessarily. Yeah. And you're like, you're really building towards, it's not just a, Hey, I want to have a fun fight today. It's, you know, this is a important and fun fight. That's just building towards this big turn off in the distance too. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I think that covers pretty much all of the details of the tournament that I wanted to talk about. I appreciate you guys both um, being here. Do you have any, you know, any shout outs you want to throw out before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, definitely. I got to shout out uh, Rob. He is my team skill captain. And I basically, he has basically taken over all of the like, um, organizing scrims and whatever and all that like sort of end part of the tournament so I don't have to worry about it and I can just focus on you know figuring out comps and calling stuff on grid and it has been kind of a godsend because you know having to do everything as a captain really is a easy good way to burn yourself out so yeah yep. definitely a shout to Rob there yeah I think I did most of my during during the during the talk we had but Rusty Hyenas and 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 Spectrus please for being good good practice partners in last AT and now our current practice partner too, which I don't want to divulge yet. Yep. They've been <laughs> they've been pretty awesome too. And then always my whole team who has been quite quite good and on time and good pilots. Awesome. I will shout out Jintan for throwing this tournament and generally being a you know, pleasant and communicative human being to interact with. You know, CCP's doing some stuff to support these tournaments, which I, you know, I always appreciate. Giving us Thunderdome, improving Thunderdome, you know, even when they're not the ones organizing the tournaments, they're, if you come to them with a tournament organization like the Anger Games or like this Captain's Cup, they will try to make it happen. So props for that. They'd be always super helpful, helpful with any questions I've had. So that's that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, the community team's great. All right. Well, till next time, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.